You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most visionary humans on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Hey, visionaries. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, I'm sitting down with Andrew Maida, and he's the founder of Flourish Pancakes. I always think of two things when I read Flourish Pancakes. So number one, I think of the pancake emoji. I love that emoji so much. I don't know why, but it's so fun. Number two... I always think, who doesn't love talking about healthier breakfast foods? I mean, gone are the days when we want plain bagels with cream cheese or sugary-filled muffins. We need high-protein, low-carb options, especially if we are entrepreneurs, we're running businesses, and we need to fuel our brains and our minds and our bodies for a busy day ahead. So this is where Flourish Pancakes comes in. Now, if you listen all the way through to the end of this episode, you're going to notice that Andrew shares a call to action at the end that you can get free pancakes. Literally go DM Flourish Pancakes on Instagram. They're just at Flourish Pancakes and let them know that the Visionary Life podcast sent you and that you want to claim your free sample of pancakes. That's literally all you have to do. You could pause this show now, take 30 seconds to DM Flourish Pancakes, make sure you follow them, go like their content, and let them know that you want to try the products. Then press play on this episode again, and let's talk about how epic this story is. So basically, we recap Andrew's entire story. We talk about how his parents raised him in a strict upbringing, and they really wanted him to join the family construction business. But Andrew actually had other plans. He describes himself as a bit of a shit disturber, a bit of a rebel, and that led him to basically say that he didn't want to join the family business and that he was going to leave and carve his own path. So he actually started his first business in the e-commerce and Shopify space. He learned a lot, self-taught a lot, and eventually it was his own need, his own challenge that brought him to the idea of starting a healthy breakfast company. So I think you're really going to love the story. He talks openly about being kicked out of his home, having to fend for himself, where the idea for Flourish came from, how he launched to an audience of 7,000 people, how he scaled Flourish, and he really dials in on one marketing strategy that worked wonders for them, which they still do today. He talks about joining District Ventures with Arlene Dickinson, a very famous Canadian entrepreneur and investor. You probably know her from Dragon's Den and how that impacted the business. And then Andrew shares a little bit of his own personal journey of the best investments he's been making in the business and how he is growing into the role of leader and visionary and mentor to his team and continuing to scale flourish into a breakfast 
empire. So I know you're going to love this episode. If you want to shop Flourish, head to their website. They're www.flourishpancakes.com. Don't forget to go DM them on Instagram. Tell them the Visionary Life podcast sent you and that you want to collect your free sample. And you guys know what I'm going to be cooking up for breakfast tomorrow morning. So I cannot wait. I'll be sharing on my Instagram at Kelsey Rydell every time I am making some Flourish pancakes. And other than that, I hope you guys enjoy and we'll see you in the next episode. Andrew, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm so excited to dive into the story behind Flourish Pancakes and everything that you've created with this incredible brand. But before we begin, I would love to know a little bit about your upbringing. So from what I gather, you grew up in Toronto with a little bit of a strict well, we'll call them strict parents. So yeah. I know that's going to set the stage for the conversation. So can you share a little bit more about this upbringing and kind of the relationship you had with your family? Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're going way, way far back. Um, by the way, good to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so when I was uh, a, a little boy, my my path in life was always to... Uh, run or work with my father, run his construction business. Uh, we're Italian. So like Italian immigrant or first generation, second generation family. Um, and not even just specifically for Italians, I think like any culture of people that immigrate to a different country and especially start their own business, they're very tough people. Um, and after years and years of going through things, I, I can understand how people believe that they have all the right answers. Um, my dad was one of those people. So he was super strict. Uh, everything was dot your I's, cross your T's. Uh, and I was the, I am the youngest of three. And um, so a lot of pressure on me being kind of the youngest, uh, especially like the younger guy having to run my dad's company one day. Um, but I was always a shit disturber. Sorry, uh, excuse me. I was, all, <laughs> you know, I was always <laughs> uh, going off the beaten path. So I remember something as simple. My dad had this thing like, when you get paid, you know, 10% to savings, uh, 30% to other and uh, 60% in your checking or whatever. And my brother and sister would like go to the bank and set it all up. So it would happen automatically. And I would like get paid, run to an ATM, go to Walmart, like buy a bike with a hundred, $120, whatever bikes were back in the day. So, um, I was just always a little bit more reckless than, um, what they would have liked, you know, but my mom was always super supportive. And I think actually um, looking back on that now, like that balance of, uh, you know, my mom telling me I could do anything I wanted. My mom telling me everything I did was perfect. And my dad telling me everything I did was crap and that I can't do anything that I wanted to do had this, like created this tension for me that was really important that actually made me think and reflect and become really self-aware. Cause you're always thinking, you know, which, person do I listen to, which is the angel or the devil voice, right? Um, and, you know, long story short, uh, obviously, now I'm the founder of Flourish Pancakes, been doing this for about four years, been uh, in business on my own for about seven or eight years. So I obviously didn't go into construction. Uh, I, I make a joke, like these, these hands get manicures, you know, they don't hold a shovel. So uh, it just was never in the cards for me. So you obviously had decided at a certain point, I don't want to get into family business and you really were set on carving your own path. 
And I know from a lot of our listeners reaching out, they're in that space where they actually feel pressure, whether it's from their parents or just pressure they've put on themselves because they've committed time and energy to a degree or they've become a lawyer, Mm -hmm. but they're wildly unhappy for somebody who is in that phase of like, I want to go carve my own path, but I feel kind of like the weight of other people's expectations or the weight of the money I've already invested. Do you have any advice on how to stay true to what you want out of life? Because you kind of did that. Yeah, it's it's the best and worst advice. Uh, the answer is you just have to go and do it. Uh, it's easier said than done. But honestly, I think that Uh, you know, even for me to give you a better idea of what I was going through, like I was in a very comfortable position. I had a plan laid out for me the same way somebody with a degree would have like a plan laid out for them. Um, I never had to worry about finances or anything like that. I always knew I was going to be okay. And I was sort of thrust into this position. I was in the middle of university. I ended up actually getting kicked out of my house. So I, I really had to make a choice, right? And it was Am I going to go work at a, as a bartender or am I going to start a business? And, you know, it, it just doesn't matter how far along on a, on a path you are. If you feel like it's not the right one for you, it, it's only becoming harder and harder to actually switch lanes later on. Right. And, and you're never going to be ready. There's never going to be the right time because something else will always come up in life. Right. So it's something you either have it or you don't. Um, and if you have it, then it's going to be great for you. If you go out and do it, it's going to be a huge success. And if you don't, you're never going to have to live with the what if, right? So life is short. Um, you got to take chances. The sorry, best and worst advice is you just got to do it. No. And I think that's really, really good. It's like, are you just going to continue to be miserable or to experience this low grade misery? Or are you going to take a chance? And do you want to wake up in 30 years and look back on the life you could have lived or on the life you actually did live, even if that includes a lot more ups and downs. So it's really important to even just hear stories um, from people like yourself who had to make decisions in a moment when they weren't sure what Mm -hmm. the outcome was going to be. You had to decide and move forward with that. So I think that's very sound advice. And I know that as we get into the story of Flourish, there's actually something we need to queue up here. So you had actually started another business, another entrepreneurial venture. And it was during that time that you had a bit of a poor diet from what I gather. Maybe we're eating a lot of fast food. So can you take us back to that time and then how the idea for Flourish Pancakes actually came to life? Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm out of my house at this point. Um, and, you know, like I said, second generation, first generation Italian family. So my mom was like practically brushing my teeth for me on the way out the door. Um, when I was on my own, I had no idea how to do anything. Uh, it was embarrassing, honestly. So I, I just honestly resorted to like Tim Hortons and Starbucks and McDonald's and, and whatever I can get my hands on. It's, I call it like eating out of a wrapper. Um, so yeah, I had a very, very poor diet. And at the time I was running these e-commerce businesses. So I actually, the first thing I did was uh, start a Shopify store. Um, started my Shopify store actually with my girlfriend's credit card. Uh, we're still together actually. So, so she is really like my rock uh, personal so foundation, back, business right? foundation. I paid her back and then some uh, for sure. Um, maybe there's a few charges on there that we overlooked, but uh, you know, so I started a Shopify store and really quickly realized like, I love this. This is 
super easy for me. I can, I can pick it up. I can scale it. And these were small successes for a 19 year old, like a store that was doing, you know, 20, $30,000 a month in top line revenue and actually just putting money in my pocket was really a huge success for me. Um, so being the chaotic, aggressive person that I am, I decided to start a lab and I said, I'm not going to be the one to make hundreds of e-com stores. I'm going to bring people in to help me scale them up. Um, and this is still a belief that I have to this day. I think I've refined this a little bit, but I really believe in having like the best people around and not trying to do everything on my own. And I always tell business owners and my mentors always tell me like, you need to take a step back to take a step forward. So I just immediately started bringing together people. Um, and I started my first real business, which was this e-commerce venture lab uh, when I was about 19, 20 years old. And as we were scaling businesses, um, you know, I, I realized that this isn't really what I wanted to do uh, ethically. It was a means to an end for me, but I didn't want to be a drop shipping person. I didn't want to have like eBooks on Facebook ads later on in life. I wanted to have a product that I could really love and stand behind and build an actual brand, not just be an advertiser. Um, and that's how I am today. I always want some, I always want the next thing, the next shiny toy to play with. Right. So my next shiny toy was a real brand. And uh, I, I decided to create Flourish to actually solve for my breakfast addiction, uh, which was Eggo waffles with Nutella and peanut butter. Uh, I love those things. And Flourish has actually just turned into this amazing business that I feel like solves for, for, for moms who had kids like me. Like I was that fussy kid in the morning who wanted sweets. Um, and now, you know, we meet moms that say like, my son eats this seven days a week. If we don't give him flourish in the morning, he's kicking and screaming. That was me, but with like Eggo waffles, right? My mom tried to put eggs in front of me in the morning. It was, it was going to be a gong show. There was yeah. no way I was going to school. So um, yeah, that's kind of how like food became was a solution for me and business is something that I felt like I was good at running businesses and scaling them and advertising. And that kind of all just came together at the exact right time. And, you know, even meeting my investors at the exact right time, like it's 99% luck. So. Okay. We got to go back a little bit. Cause you skipped Sorry. over a big part of the story. So I'm so curious when you get this idea, you're like, I'm eating these Eggo waffles. There's got to be a better way. That typical moment of like, aha, Mm -hmm. What did you actually have to do from there? So let's get a little bit granular on some of those first few steps that you as an individual took to start bringing Flourish to life. Because from what I gather, you didn't actually have experience necessarily in food innovation or in creating no. gluten-free, healthier for you products. So you, as somebody who's kind of naive to the industry, what were some of the first things you did to actually prove that you had a good product and then actually bring it to life? Hey, visionaries. I wanted to interrupt this podcast to actually let you know about an upcoming offering that I am launching in collaboration with professional mindset and success coach, Emily Elliott. You've probably heard me talk about your 2023 leap. Cohort number one has been so successful and this is the highly anticipated program because there was so much demand for it in 2022 that myself, a marketing consultant and top rated marketing coach, and Emily Elliott, 
again, who's a professional success and mindset coach, we've teamed up to actually launch another cohort of your 2023 leap. Our first cohort, they're having smashing successes and the momentum is huge. So we've decided to launch it again in May of 2023. Between Emily and I, we have helped thousands of individuals to grow their mindset and grow their success. And we're going to teach you the MVP model, mindset plus visibility equals more profitability. And if you're a for-profit business, this is something that is so important that you dial in both of these pillars. But don't sign up yet. First, I want to run you through a few little things to see if you're ready for your 2023 leap. So if you want to learn from Emily how to embody the physiology of success. This has been a game changer for me personally. People have literally messaged me on Instagram. I got a voice note from my friend Mark last night and he said, Kels, I don't know what's going on, but something's different about you. And I attribute this to embodying the physiology of success, which Emily is teaching me. Emily's also going to teach us how to step into an entrepreneurial mindset. There are so many blocks that you might carry through from your previous corporate job that are actually keeping you stagnant. And I've recorded an entire podcast episode about this called the three mindset blocks that were keeping me stuck. And then I step in each week over the 90 days to teach you a foolproof marketing strategy so that you can connect with unlimited clients. That's pretty awesome, right? So I'm going to teach you how to use social media to convert followers into paid clients. I'm going to teach you how to build a simple sales and marketing funnel. I'm also going to show you how to leverage Google and SEO to get more leads to your business. This is so important and 99% of businesses are not taking advantage of it. And you're also just going to be surrounded by the most insane entrepreneurs. We have 15 people in this cohort and my gosh, like there are tears, there are, there's laughter. A lot of the comments that have come through our private Slack channel say, this is the program I didn't know I needed. I was so lonely. I was doing this with blinders on before your 2023 leap. And it's incredible to see how these individuals are collaborating both on the calls and off. And I must say, Emily and I are pretty awesome leaders of these hour and a half calls that we have each week. So if this all sounds good to you, I want you to head to KelseyRidal.com slash 2023, com slash 2023, and just pop your name and email in there so you know about the upcoming launch. And we might even send you some special bonuses when the time comes to start enrolling. So again, we cannot wait to see you inside of cohort number two and back to the episode. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't have experience in anything when I do it. And I think all people who take leaps are, are like that, but I'm confident that I could figure it out. So this was another one of those situations, right? And I had actually uh, called my brother who was a chef. And the moment for me happened when um, I had someone come over to my house at the time and he was asking me basically how to start Shopify stores. And he brought these like chickpea cookies. They looked so gross. Um, and at the time I wasn't a very healthy person. I didn't know much about nutrition and I ran into the washroom of my house and I called my brother. I hadn't spoken to my brother in years because obviously I was, you know, out of my house. Um, I called my brother and I said, Peter, uh, his name's Peter. I said, these healthy people, they're crazy. They bake stuff at home and they bring it with them so they can eat healthy food when they're out. Like, this is crazy. I need to make a healthy product. I'm good at this e-com stuff. If you make it for me, 
we can partner. Uh, so my brother was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. That's a no brainer. Uh, I can't make you Eggo waffles, but I can make you a pancake mix. Uh, like frozen was just too big and scary for us at the time, but like mixes were, we were ready to go. So he makes us this mix. Um, I started eating it for about a year and a half, started testing it amongst like friends, people that I would meet out in public. I would go like to the local grocery store. I would wait for somebody to buy a pancake mix. And then I would ask him, Hey, why are you buying this? What do you like about it? Here's a sample of my stuff. Give me a call to send me a text and really doing that, like on the ground research of what people wanted to help bring the formulation to life. We were really lucky in that we landed on something that was really good uh, right from the start. So we actually didn't make many changes from what I was actually eating at home. And that first product was a 23 gram protein, seven gram fiber, zero grams of sugar pancake mix. And then eventually evolved into like gluten-free plant-based options and all these other things. And our next challenge was actually finding a place to make it. So like I said, I, I'm chaotic. I do things backwards and uh, I've gotten better at it now. But at the time, you know, I was still a little crazy. So the first thing I did is I went home, I set up an e-com store and I started pre-launching my product, right? So this was probably like April, 2018. I started pre-launching. Uh, May 28th, 2018, we made our first sale. We had 7,000 people sign up to our pre-launch and order products. Uh, I called my brother who actually had a, a factory where he was going to be able to make the product. And I said, Hey, Peter, we're ready to go. I have all these orders I need you to fulfill. He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going on a vacation. Uh, mom's going to Italy for three weeks and I'm going with her. So you know, you're shit out of luck. And I was like, okay, just give me the keys. I'll go make it myself. He was like, no, 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 no. I'm the only one who goes in my factory. You can't go without me. So I am like screwed at this point. I have all of these orders. I have nowhere to make them. I don't even know how to mix stuff together. Uh, I had already bought the bags and everything. And then my girlfriend saved me again. And she actually got me a spot in um, her cousin's bakery. So wow. The real sort of grit of the story is, you know, at, at night I would go when her bakery was shut down. So I usually get there like 9, 10 PM. I would start making batches and I would make 14 bags in every 30 minutes in this really tiny mixer. And I would fill them by hand while the next stuff was mixing. I do that till about two, three in the morning. I bring them back to my house. Then from my house, I wake up, ship them with Canada post. And at night I'd go back to the bakery and, and make some more. And I did that for about six months. Uh, while we got things set up and honestly at that point that's where me and my brother were like I don't think we're on the same path we're not gonna go into business together and yeah. uh, I became a solo founder again oh my gosh I love always getting into the stories of just like the grit that entrepreneurs have to deal with and put yeah. into those early stages and really it never goes away it's like those late nights those early mornings just yeah. problem solving on the fly I am curious you said you had 7,000 people who were signed up for pre-launch. How did you get the contact information of 7,000 keen customers? What were some of the success, success strategies there? Yeah, so that was all like really uh, early Klaviyo work, or at the time it was actually MailChimp, so e um, email connected to my Shopify, and then running ads through Facebook. Okay, so, so Facebook basically we had this ad big... funnel. Facebook, Facebook was always big, right? So we had a, a Facebook top end funnel, that would run down to the website and then people would basically just be incented to invite more friends. We gamified the whole process. I think we actually paid for about 1000 or 2000 signups and we ended up with 7,000 uh, at the end and almost all of them ended up purchasing. 
Wow. They were really high intent shoppers, obviously. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like Facebook ad funnels can still work to the same degree of effectiveness as when you were using them or has the game changed? Yeah. So we still use them. They're still a huge seven figure part of our strategy. Um, so like retail marketing and then also adding Facebook on top of that is still massive for us. I think that, um, it's definitely gotten a lot more difficult and what consumers really care about now is that personal touch before like people have been burned so many times by drop shippers, like ordering a product and then it arriving 45 or 55 days later. Um, so now they're a little bit more worried about who they're buying from, but if you can, you know, have their name on your website or um, have your name on their products, write a handwritten card, all of these things are going to kind of help your conversion rate. And I think that's the difference between people who are scaling and who aren't. And then on the technical side of things, right? Like Facebook has become a lot more difficult in the way that you actually run ads. And even things like influencers, you know, before when timelines were chronological, I would pay an influencer $200 and make $10,000, $15,000 in revenue. Now I'm paying $15,000 and making $200 in revenue uh, because they're just not getting that same conversion as they once were, right? So it's still there, but it's definitely a lot different. And at scale is when you really start to see the effectiveness of Facebook. It's very tough to do when it's when you're small. Absolutely. So in those first, like say six to 12 months, aside from the Facebook ads and the funnel there, what were some of the other marketing strategies or visibility strategies that you were using to get Flourish into more customers' hands? Yeah. So really early days, honestly, it was all about Facebook ads for me. Like I was a through and through e-com marketer stuck in my house all day running Facebook ads and optimizing Facebook ads. So to be honest, like we weren't using many, you know, in-person events or things like that. That was only until later on when we actually started doing in-store sampling. I just really, really focused on being that customer touch point for people sending emails from my personal email account um, and scaling my Facebook ads. I believe that you know, it's important to actually accomplish something and get it done right and scale it before you move on to the next thing, especially Mm -hmm. in the early days. Um, I get a lot of entrepreneurs that come to me now and they're like, Hey, I'm selling my product to convenience stores and online and grocery stores. And I have a piece of innovation coming out in three months. And I'm like, you need to take a step back, pick one of those channels that actually makes you a profit. So you don't have to run out of money and bootstrap this business. And Focus on just scaling that channel. And then it becomes so much easier to stretch across to other channels, right? And that's what we did at Flourish. We just went hyper-focused on e-com. And once you're there in the CPG space, you know, it's a little bit of an older uh, sector. Um, You can really leverage what you do in e-com to actually launch into other stores. Then you can use stores to launch into other stores. So you really need to set those foundational building blocks. And I was lucky that I only, for once, focused on something really, really well in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to hear your perspective because we have interviewed many founders, especially of natural health food products or CPG brands. Mm-hmm. And some of them chose to go all in on community marketing. Some of them chose to try to book meetings with major retailers. You're telling yeah. us that it was all in on Facebook ads. And I just love that for every single person who's launching a brand, 
you do have to ask yourself, number one, what am I passionate about? What am I good at? And number two, where do I think I'm going to generate a really good response if I go all in for 12 months or for two years? And there is no one right answer. So I think that's what we're gathering through chatting with so many entrepreneurs is that, you know, you have to ask yourself and do a little bit of um, just like self-inquisition of what's going to work for you, but also where are your strengths and what do you bring to the table? Yeah. And I think people are taught um, different lessons in different ways throughout their life. Like if you think about something like the stock market, right, everyone talks about uh, diversification, but um, if you forget that you're putting your money into the stock market, right, like diversification actually diminishes returns. It can, like if you're not diversified and you have one stock, it can go all the way up or it can go all the way down, yeah. right? If you're diversified, usually it's just flat, right? And it's like in business, you want to have that like Warren Buffett type strategy where he might not buy something for the next two years, but when he finds something that's great, he's going to go all in on it, right? Like yeah. I am good at Facebook ads. That's what I know how to do. Now in my career, it's more um, leadership and sales and I'm still helping on the e-com side, but I have to get away from that. Yeah. But it's like, there's a time and place to make different bets. And as an entrepreneur, you really are like an investor doing capital allocation. And if you were betting on yourself, where would you put all your money? And I think that's where you start first. So if somebody asks you today to describe Flourish, what do you say? And can you tell us a little bit about your product selection and what we can expect from the brand? Yeah, so we're actually going through a massive rebrand right now. So this will change over the next few months. Uh, what we say about our business is that Flourish transforms nostalgic treats into low sugar, high protein foods that fuel. And I think that like treats to foods is really important because everything that we make is so nutritionally sound um, and hearty for people. However, the crossroad that I'm at right now is I don't believe Flourish is a pancake mix company. I believe we're a breakfast food company and we're a lifestyle company. So that's really what we're building. And I think over the next five years, you're going to see a lot more from us uh, in terms of the innovation that we come out with. We have a couple more things in the pancake segment right now, but um, you know, I, I want to see flourish across the grocery store. And we were talking about this just before we were, we were recording. Right. And it's like entrepreneurs have that belief system. Uh, my belief system is that you need to eat less sugar. You need to eat more protein, but you can still have a balanced life. Mm-hmm. And I want to create products that actually bring that, to people in a transparent way. So hopefully you'll see us in more places uh, in the next few years and with a lot more products. It's such an incredible vision. And I am curious, you're obviously very busy day to day. Right now you're traveling in the US. Yeah. How do you balance thinking about the future of Flourish and staying in that visionary role while still being very involved in the business? Like, do you have a specific practice where you're like, oh, this is just thinking time or, you know, like visionary time, or does it just happen in the free space? Yeah. So I try to have routine in my life. So especially in the morning, like I'll wake up, I won't look at my phone, I'll meditate. I think that's a time for me to really gather my thoughts and and set my day up. But one of the things that I found when I start thinking further out about the business is that it's, it's tough for me to do that in those times because I'm, I'm getting ready for my day. Um, so I've actually tried to implement more planning into the business. And then now that I'm 
I'm in a weird spot where I'm still working on a lot of things. I'm still BCC'd on every single email. So I try to be really intentional about carving out time when I can. Or if I can't for the day, I just make sure I take like a two hour shower and just like sit there, sit there and think. Uh, But that morning routine and that meditation is really important for me to just be centered and and be present and get ready to take on my day. I feel like that allows for more free thought later. It's like an investment in the morning for for something you get back in the afternoon or the evening. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of the two hour shower too. It's like when I'm in my <laughs> shower, like too. nobody can bother me. It's just me thinking that is where yeah. some of my best ideas come from. So yeah, definitely resonate. Um, I want to touch on something exciting that happened. I think I'm not sure how far along in your business journey you were, but your product flourish actually caught wind of district ventures, which is Arlene Dickinson's, um, investment company. So can you just tell us high level, how did that happen? You joined the accelerator program there, which I'm assuming was a a pretty big catalyst moment in expanding flourish and getting it into more hands. Yeah. So, uh, Arlene is a powerhouse, um, She's amazing. And I think especially from Canada, you know, the the way that she gives back to Canadians is like, she's, she's awesome. So the funny thing is, uh, they actually discovered me from my Facebook ads. I'm talking about going all in. Yeah, they they were running their seventh cohort. Um, So they've been doing this for a little while, they would bring in a few brands, Um, they would interview you if you made it, you would have to go to Calgary every um, every other week or something. I can't remember how often I was going. Uh, and then at the end, you could get $150,000 investment from District Ventures. So um, they found our Facebook ads. They invited me to apply. And the funny thing is, I was actually on their website a few weeks before. And I was writing the application. And it got to a part where it said, submit a business plan. And I was like, I haven't written a business plan. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm going to submit. I'm running these like other 24. I had 24 other active e-commerce stores at the time. So I was super busy. We had a bunch of marketers working. um, And I was like, man, I'm not writing a business plan. And I actually shut the page. Um, And it was crazy because then a week later, they reached out and I messaged the person. I said, hey, look, I'll do a video interview, but I can't write a business plan. I'm actually already an entrepreneur running this other business. So they let it slide, thankfully. Um, And that was just like one of those things where it's like, imagine I shut that page and they never contacted me, like how much different my, my entire life would have been even personally. Right. So that was a huge catalyst for us. We ended up uh, getting the investment. We ended up becoming one of the first brands to ever get secondary capital from them, which means they actually reinvested after uh, the accelerator program. And now I'm still really close with them. Like uh, I just had a meeting with her managing partner last week about our budget for this year. So they're great people. They've been very involved in the business for the last four years. And the fact that they're not sick and tired of me yet is amazing. What a great story. And I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who are like, okay, well, I'll probably never get a chance to go through that accelerator program, or maybe they will. But I'm curious, what are some of the key learnings or just like the big principles that you extracted from being part of that accelerator that you would say this was really important, or this was a game changer that we focused on this during the program? Yeah, I think, um, well, one being around all the entrepreneurs, I think that you have this idea of entrepreneurs as these kind of like superheroes of the business world. And you realize that people are just people like me and you. Um, 
you know, even me like closing that application, like there's probably thousands of people that do that every day. They think I'm not ready. I'm not going to do this. Right. Like I am victim to that same habit as well. So being around the other entrepreneurs, I think was really powerful for us and being able to do it in person, like pre COVID was, was great. Um, they really focused on bringing in experts, which is, you know, we spoke about like another one of my foundational beliefs that you need to have experts and mentors around you at all times. So that was super important. And uh, the last thing that I learned is that you're, you're always competing and you're always selling, right? Um, being in that environment was the entrepreneurs being around Arlene's people and district's people. And obviously they, they wanted to support every single one of the entrepreneurs that was in there, but you know, they're looking at certain people, like who are we betting on for the long term, Right. And I don't even think it's just them. I think it's everybody. Uh, and people do this when they make impressions of you and if they offer to help you or not help you or invest in your business or not. And to just always be on, I think is important. Um, so aside from like, what is a broker and what is a distributor and all of the natural products industry stuff that I learned, I feel like I, I grew so much more as a person just in like four months. And then at the end we got to meet Arlene and I realized that I was just like still a baby. I went up to her and I was just like, uh, hi, my, like, uh, my name's Arlene. I'm like, my name's Andrew. Like, (laughs) it was so embarrassing. Like I didn't even know how to speak to her. And I just remember feeling like I want to be able to have this impact on people. Um, like she's had an impact on her family, on the, on the economy and all the people that have worked for her. And like now on all of these businesses and all the people that they employ. Um, and I think that's what business is really all about, right? Like there's only so much you can do for yourself. It's about being in it for the vision, the bigger purpose. Um, and I learned that from her just being around her. So cool. And yeah, I feel like there are certain people in our lives who are very much expanders, like they show us what's possible. Mm. And obviously, we are attracted to them, not in like a physical way, but like, we like being in their presence, because maybe there's something that we see in them that we know we have in us. So it's kind of cool to know that yeah, maybe for Arlene, you're like, you're looking at her basically going like, I want that. And I can do that. Right. Cause we are both humans on this earth. We both have that drive. And, um, yeah, it's just really neat to think about that concept of expanders. So obviously flourish has had a lot happen since then, but I'm curious, can you recap some of the major milestones or successes or just things that you've celebrated over the last couple of years in terms of the growth of the business? Yeah, I remember uh, like shipping our first pallet four years ago and like wrapping it and taping all the boxes by hand. And now, you know, walking into the back and seeing like full truckloads wow. being loaded up, three, four trucks at the dock. Like it's it's crazy to see how far we've come. And like with such a small team, um, we're always celebrating all of these little wins. Um, I think a huge catalyst for us was getting into Sobeys. Uh, we were in Sobeys really early on and, uh, Sobeys is someone is, is a retailer that really wants to support local. So if you're in their local region, you can pretty much always call Sobeys and and find a spot on their shelf. And for us, like, I, I think even more so than the revenue that it brought in, like you don't sell as much as people think you do when you're in a grocery store. Like when I posted a picture on my Instagram four years ago to my friends that I was in Longo's, like they probably thought I was going to be on a yacht next week. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. 
it's it's very small margin you know you need to move a lot of product so getting into sobeys was just like this thing where i think we sat in the office and we looked at each other like it was a team of me and two other people at the time and we were like this is legit we can do this like you go to a grocery store and you see somebody pick up the product off shelf and you're like oh my god you know um so business wins are great but again like for me I really want to, I really love seeing an impact. So, you know, I was, I was at a trade show a little while ago. And like, I was telling you that story about that mom that says, you know, my kid eats this every day, like seven days a week. That's real. That's really what is like, all right, guys, that's more fuel for us to keep going. Um, stores are stores, sales are sales. But uh, if you can really make your customer happy, then it takes you a long way. Mm, that's so heartwarming. And the fact that people come up to you and tell you those stories has got to be just yeah. like that motivation you need some days, even on the bad yeah. days to just like get up and keep charging forward because you want more of those incredible testimonials. It's the benefit of having a product, right? Like people actually, it's so strange. Like the other day I was driving to work and I was like, these people work for me. Like yeah. they trust me with their career and like, I help them make life choices. And then I'm like leaving the house and I'm thinking like, oh, did I forget my AirPods? Like I'm such, everyone's a wreck. Right. And it's like, Absolutely. it kind of takes a village to, to bring everybody together. Um, so I think even in the product business, like you see people actually interacting with what you have. Yeah. It's just so fulfilling, especially when you're selling something that's good for people. Absolutely. So I am curious because you seem to be quite savvy about marketing and you obviously started with the e-com and the Facebook. What's working now? It's February, 2023 when we record this. What do you feel is working in terms of gaining brand awareness, selling more product, just from whatever angle you want to take? Yeah. So I think for really high level brand awareness, podcasts are actually working really, really well. Um, people love to be along for that ride. And if you can even get influencers to speak about your product in their episode, not just as an ad in their episode, uh, I think that that is amazing. I think the other thing we're seeing a lot of is um, sort of that creator community actually making advertising content for people. So it's not just, you know, a picture of Flourish Pancakes anymore. It's like, hey, I'm Kelsey. Uh, this is coming from my Instagram in my kitchen. And I'm actually running an ad from your account. That is something that like I'm, we're just getting a huge ROI on compared to the regular video and photo ads that we're running. Yep. But all in all, um, for the last few years, retention has been super, super important. People want to feel that personal connection and retaining a customer is always going to be more efficient than buying a new customer. And brands and entrepreneurs, for some reason, are just obsessed with buying new customers. Yeah. It's like, I guess they raise money and they need to go spend it somewhere and they put it into Facebook ads. But it's like focusing on that LTV is going to be so important, especially with the economy that we're going into. Like people need to start putting money into their pockets, not just flushing it into Facebook and, and losing all kinds. Mm. So we're, we're going to see a shift. Yeah. So many good tips there. And I'm even thinking about some of the clients that I work with and how they pay for advertising on podcasts. But I love what you said about get the podcaster to just talk about the product 
organically if you can. And I'm not sure exactly how that happens, but if you can just get them to become a brand advocate and incorporate Mm -hmm. it into their podcast or YouTube video, I think that's such a cool way to get the content out in a very non-salesy way and non-pushy because people are becoming a bit more sensitive to advertising in podcasts or advertising in YouTube. But like you said, if you can get the influencer to talk about it or do the white listing where they record the ads and you boost it from there, their account. That's kind of where the lens has shifted. And I know even myself as a consumer, I'm so responsive to it when I see, you know, somebody in their kitchen making a product, I'm way more curious than if, you know, some high level podcaster tells me about it. Yeah. And it's like, um, you can do it really easily, right? Like if, if the podcaster were to ask a question, um, like you're to ask me a question right now, what's my favorite food brand right now? And I say, ABC water, and then you say like, I really love Flourish Pancakes. Like I can clip that and use that forever. Yes. Um, so it, it's just like the way that what you said is exactly right. Like they're so much more sensitive to ads. I know now when I see like stuff popping up on the screen, like I know I'm getting an ad, yeah. but when I see a video with maybe like some organic Instagram text on it, I feel like, okay, what's going to happen? There's a story here. So the best entrepreneurs are storytellers and we need to tell stories in our ads, not just like, Hey, here's my junk and it's on sale. Yep. Check out my Shopify store. Um, but like you were talking about the people that you work with, they're doing so much good. Um, like natural paths and these professionals that are trying to sell their services, they have such a good story to tell. And I think sometimes yeah. it just takes a bit of like extraction to actually get it out of people. Even me, like I can't tell my story properly you needed me to go back and then go forward it's but it's there and I think that's what people really need to do to make that connection to consumers Mm -hmm. and that's where long-form content can be so beneficial like I know that attention spans are generally shrinking but I think in order to really get your story and the story of flourish these long-form conversations they really resonate like for those who listen and listen to at least 15 50 percent the mm-hmm. story of flourish and like your voice, it almost just like transcends their whole body. And next time they see flourish on the shelf, they feel this emotional attachment to it. And they just pick it up without thinking because they've spent 20 minutes or 40 minutes with you and I, it's very yeah. powerful. So you might not get as many views or downloads on long form content, but the way that it really just like stays with you versus like a 10 second TikTok is totally different. So there's a whole, you know, realm we could explore there, but it's fascinating. Yeah. It's like, I know that guy. Oh, yeah. Pain. that's my buddy Andrew's uh, business. Yes. I heard him on a podcast. Yeah. I feel that way too. Honestly, sometimes I'm like, Oh, I know that brand. Yeah. And I've only seen them on LinkedIn or something. <laughs> Absolutely. You're so right. So as we wrap up, I know that obviously your team has grown, your role has evolved. So I'm curious, is there a skill or a certain, you know, topic that you're currently focused on up-leveling as you continue to grow your business and become a better leader? Yeah, two things, actually. I was going to compliment you on this earlier uh, when you said extractors. Um, Yeah, I really want to become a better communicator. That's something that I'm working on and using things that really using words and phrases that really resonate with people. Um, Like when you said that it really resonated with me and it's like, you say one word and I already know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, Your communication style was just, is just at a level better than mine. And I want to work on that. Uh, And that goes hand in hand with like, I'm really working on becoming a better leader and trying to get things out of my head and and onto paper and get the team to help me execute. Um, 
So we're already like, we have one common goal. We know what that is. And just trying to remove yourself from the business is a skill in itself. So leadership and communication. And obviously, as I said before, like I have board advisors and mentors that are in place and like people I talk to almost every day. And I make mistakes on that stuff every single day. I text my advisors like, I cannot believe I just said this in a meeting. What would you have said? Um, and they they tell me how to fix it for next time. That's so awesome. And I love to hear that you're always learning and growing and continuing to consult your board of advisors and mentors. So something that's so important as we evolve and as we reach for bigger goals. So for anybody who wants to try Flourish Pancakes, who wants to connect with you as a founder, where are the best places for them to find you? Yeah, so they can DM us uh, at Flourish Pancakes on Instagram. Uh, if you say that you heard me on this podcast, then I'll actually jump into the account and I'll chat with you, or you can just, uh, DM me directly. If you really want to just talk about business at Andrew Maida, that's M A I D A. Um, but honestly, like if you guys want free pancakes, just hit me up. I will get you a sample. It's no problem. Uh, just let me know that you heard me here and, uh, I'll make it happen. That is amazing. Let's all take Andrew up on that offer. (laughs) Connect with Flourish. Go pick them up next time you're out at the grocery store. And I'm sure they can order them online as well. But we just want to say thank you for sharing the story, the real behind the scenes of what it took to bring this business to life. And we wish you all the best in your travels and as you continue to expand the vision for Flourish Pancakes. You too. Thanks for having me, Kelsey. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis, so it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show on either iTunes or Spotify. It just takes a second. And if you don't want to rate the show, you could also just take a screenshot of the episode and share it on your social media platform of choice, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode.